Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. through the book of Colossians. Some weeks ago, we came to the, uh, for the focusing verse uh, that Randy uh, presented to us, that uh, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Uh, the idea being that uh, who Jesus is, as we come to him, all of life is to be shaped by him. And we have been looking at this in the light of uh, needing clarity in a murky world. That is, we live in a world, in a culture, a society that has oh, just thousands of different messages that are bombarding us, philosophical, ideological, political, social, moral, uh, all these different uh, values and ideas coming at us, and, and, and uh, it's, it's a very confusing, swirling uh, sort of um, a mixture of things. And, and so often as Christian believers, uh, we sort of follow along with this murky, cloudy, fuzzy, foggy uh, kind of cultural idea, system of, of ideas and values and, and so forth. And the purpose of Colossians is to give us as believers in Christ a clarity about who we are, a clarity about who Jesus Christ is, and a clarity about how we should live. And it came to focus in that verse, as you receive Christ, so walk ye in him. And uh, he says then, for example, uh, don't be uh, made captive and held captive by the philosophy, the empty deceit of the world that is according to the traditions of man, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. Because we are called, we are challenged to live according to Christ. Why is that? First of all, because Christ is the fullness of the deity in bodily form. Jesus Christ is, as we've been reminding you week after week after week, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the head of the body, the church. And so in the light of who Jesus Christ is, we live and we walk. The fullness of God dwells in him bodily. Then last week we looked at uh, the uh, reality of baptism and the meaning of baptism as highlighting the fact that uh, in Christ, when we come to Christ, we are put to death with him in baptism, raised with him to walk in newness of life, uh, all symbolized by baptism. Uh, now this morning uh, we come to the last part of this paragraph where we're talking about walking in Christ the same way that we received Christ, okay? So that's what we're looking at. We're going to pick it up at verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. We talked about that uh, last week, what the meaning of that uh, would be. Uh, and I refer you to that video if you want to get that. But anyway, um, anyway, you were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. My sin 
Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Amen. We glory in the cross. I would like for us to spend just a few moments this morning glorying, glorifying in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't an immediately obvious thing to do. Human beings don't glory in death. It's sort of like, let's glory in the electric chair. Let's glory in the gas chamber. Let's glory in the gallows. But when we say we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ, we're saying we glory in the way that he was put to death as a criminal rejected by the world. We glory in the death of Christ that he died, a shame-filled death rejected by all. We glory in that death of Jesus Christ. We don't do that for anybody else. You know, we talk about Abraham Lincoln, used to, I guess, uh, now with revisionist history, uh, I don't know what we say about Lincoln, but we used to talk about Lincoln and his honesty. We used to talk about uh, the rail splitting. We talked about uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. We talked about his, his drive to keep the Union together. We talked about a lot of great things about Abraham Lincoln. And we would mention his assassination, but we didn't say, we glory in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. You know, we don't, we don't say, well, let's all go to Ford's Theater and look at the, at the black draped box where he died, and let's just sit there and think about the meaning of the union. No, we go to Gettysburg with the, with the great addresses, and, the, and we go to the history books, and we see what he had said in the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and, you know, and on and on it goes, the House Divided speech. We talk about those things. We don't glory in the death of Lincoln. You go down to the mall. And you see the memorial there to Martin Luther King. We remember how he died, but we don't glory in his death. We don't take some satisfaction. We don't see some glory in the fact that a coward struck him down. No, we think of his life. We think of his words. We think of the letters from prison. We think of the I have a dream speech. We think of how he was able to wind his way with a deft wisdom uh, between the violence of his culture and the peaceful justice and righteousness of his cause. But we don't talk about the glory of his death. We don't talk about the glory of the death of a philosopher but we glory in the death of Jesus Christ. We glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. This is an odd thing for us to do, but it's a necessary thing for us to do because it is the cross that defines us and the cross that gives us life and the cross that points us in the direction in which we ought to walk. Oh, it's time for the cross to come off of the steeple and come back to the pulpits of America. It is time for the cross to be proclaimed from the pulpits. As long as you keep the cross on the steeple but not in the pulpit, all you have are motivational lectures. All you have are little insights in how to do better, feel better, get along better. Without the cross, we don't have the proclamation of the Word of God. We have the proclamation of uh, some kind of positive thinking message so we can get rid of the negativity in our lives. But it is when the cross is proclaimed that the church is being the church. I'll tell you this, by the way. If you don't proclaim the cross, you'll draw a crowd for a while. And eventually people go elsewhere. Because why should I come to church? Get up early, come to church. 
when I can hear the same thing on television, when I can hear the same thing on the latest talk show and the latest pundit telling me this, that, and the other. It is the cross that we need to come down off the steeple and into the pulpit of the church. The cross needs to be more than just jewelry worn as a necklace. It needs to be more than the necklace. It needs to be in the heart. More than just something we point to to say, well, you know, culturally I'm identified with the Christian movement or, or you know, I think it looks really sharp or, hey, you know, you've got your tradition, I've got mine. No, the cross needs to go into the heart where it totally defines us and totally seizes our lives and totally and completely shapes how we live and who we are. The cross needs to come off of the jewelry and needs to come into our hearts. And the cross needs to come out of the, the uh, wonderful technicolor painting like movies where it's seen as a beautiful, lonely thing against the, against the, the, the backdrop of, a, of an entertainment uh, movie or video. It needs to come off of those, those great uh, sort of picturesque portrayals of the cross, and it needs to come into the daily life of God's people. The cross needs to come out of the paintings and be planted firmly in the halls of Congress, planted firmly in the chambers of the court, planted firmly in the halls of the White House. The cross needs to come down out of the paintings and be planted in the marketplace and planted in the schools. Now, I know good and well the government won't let you, but we will plant it everywhere we go. For where we are, we will plant the cross of Jesus Christ. I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ because it tells me who I am. It tells me who I am. You know, as, as we're looking at our passage of Scripture, Paul uh, writes this. He says, and you, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your heart, you who were dead, that's who I am. That's who I am. That is the most realistic appraisal of a human being you will ever read. We are dead in our trespasses. We are dead because we've rebelled against God and rejected the God who is the author of life, the giver of life, the sustainer of life. And when we reject God, there's no other option but to be dead. Oh, we need to hear this message and glory in the cross that tells us who we are because the world tells us other things. Psychology says, well, here's who you really are. You are a victim of circumstance. You are a collection of childhood traumas. The reason you are the way you are is because your parents mistreated you or somebody else mistreated you as a child. The reason you have hang-ups is because your daddy wouldn't take you to the circus when you were a child. My dad took me once, never again. I'm still bitter. <laughs> Psychologists will tell you that all you need to do is just talk about what's happened, get in touch with the subconscious, and when the subconscious is aware of what's going on, it'll float out into the conscious, and then when you see the conscious, you can handle it. Folks, you know what the problem with, with, with counseling is? You know why you're nuts, but you can't do anything about it. The world will tell you it's just a psychological problem. The world will tell you that, no, what, what's going on is that you're a victim. You're a victim of, of some social uh, program or some social ideology. You're, you're a victim of some other group. You're a victim of some other economic uh, class. You're a victim of, of, of your system. You're a victim. You're a victim of something. And oh, how great to be a victim because it excuses everything. The world tells you you're a victim. The Bible tells us we are a victimizer, for we crucified the Son of God. 
The world will tell you the reason you've got problems is because you've just gotten a bad break in life. And if only somebody can come along and on the basis of your vote, he will give you everything that you need or, or just set everything right and you're just, oh, happy day. But the most realistic appraisal of humanity today is this. We were dead in our trespasses and in the uncircumcision of our hearts. And we need to know that because we will never see an improvement. We will never see life. We will never see things changing until we understand at the root, at the heart of all human problems is this fact, we are sinners before God. And until the gospel is infused into the answer, whatever it might be, until the cross brings the answer, we will only have temporary answers, temporary band-aid coverings of the problem. We will never get to the root problem until we get to the problem of sin. Now, it's not a happy thing to have someone tell you that, that you're dead in your trespasses. But the cross tells me who I am. By the way, the cross tells you who you are. Because you were dead in your trespasses. And the uncircumcision, the rebellion against God, the rejection of God, the uncircumcision of your heart. You too were dead in your trespasses. But the great thing about the cross is as the cross shows us who we are, we are sinners before God. The cross also tells us that God has done something about that sin. He has done something about it. We read it just a moment ago. He's taken that certificate of debt, and he has nailed it to the cross. He has nailed it to the cross. Who was nailed to the cross? Jesus Christ. Our sins nailed to the cross. Do the math. It's, it's like a, a logic problem on the LSATs. Uh, you know, it's, it's, if, the, if the sin was nailed to the cross and Jesus was nailed to the cross, Jesus took our sin. And he took our sin upon himself. And when he died, our sin was put to death. And what that means is that besetting sin that has frustrated you your whole life, you don't talk about it much because it's hard to talk about, and it's hard for people to listen to, and they'll never quite understand. And what you've learned is, well, just keep quiet about it. But inside, you've been struggling with a besetting sin your whole life. And wherever, yeah, you, whenever you're, you're, you're with the people of God and, 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 and discussions go along, you're just thinking to yourself, well, that's fine for them, but there's sin in my life. There's, there's something I struggle with in my life. There's, there, there's a problem that, I, that I'm trying to deal with in my life. There's, there, there, there's that sin that, that I keep struggling with. Here is the good news of the cross. Jesus Christ died for that sin. It is paid in full. It has no authority over you at all. Yes, you may struggle with it, but it does not define you. The love and the grace of God defines you. See, that sin that others have done to you, that sin that has distorted your life, that has wrecked your life, that has, that has taken away something precious from you, someone precious from you, and you're living in the, in the aftermath of the, of the hurt and the pain of that sin, Here's the good news of the cross. That sin, Jesus Christ died for that sin. And you are set free from that sin. You bear it no more in Jesus Christ. So this is, this is one of the reasons I glory in the cross, that it tells me who I am, and it tells me honestly. I was dead in my trespasses. I was dead in my sin and my rebellion against God. I also glory in the cross because it tells me who God is. It tells me who God is. 
you who were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, canceling the record of death. This is who our God is. You look to the cross and you see, our God is a loving, gracious, forgiving, merciful God. You see that God is, is, is not um, confined by our limitations, but his grace is just immense in its, in its uh, ability to cleanse us. You look at the cross and you see that God is righteous. You see that God is righteous and holy. Why? Because our sin deserves death. You know, we reject God, the God of life. The only thing left is death, and so we're choosing death. And so having rejected God and his love for us and gone our own way, gone into sin, we deserve death. That's all we deserve. And on the cross, God says that is right. Sin is an affront and offense to God, and it deserves death. But God in his kindness and gracious is not only just and righteous, but he is merciful and gracious, and so he takes our sin that deserves death and he puts it on his son, Jesus Christ, who dies in our place. And the righteousness of God is upheld, and the holiness and the love and the grace of God is equally upheld. In the cross, you see who God is, holy, righteous, perfect, and yet loving, kind, and gracious. See how um, Paul puts it here. He said he, he, he forgave us. How does he put it? Having forgiven us all our trespasses. Look, I am so grateful that on the cross we don't see a one half. That made one half to me, one half. Okay. We don't see that Jesus Christ died for some of our sins. On the cross we do not see that Jesus Christ to make it possible for us to start earning our salvation. On the cross, we do not see that Jesus Christ died for the sins that everybody does, but not for the big things that we, we've done. We don't see that Jesus Christ died for, well, uh, just uh, uh, the, the people who get it right. We see that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And he died for all of our sins, all of them. You know how that sets you free? I mean, this, this, just, let me testify. This sets you free because, you know, if he died for all your sins, you'll never come up against anything that Jesus hasn't already taken care of. That's why we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so this is who God is. He's, he's a God who forgives all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt. That word record of debt, uh, it might be an accounting term that it's just simply an IOU that somebody owes money to somebody else. Uh, by the way, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I may be a sinner, but I'm not as bad as somebody else? Now, you've never thought that to yourself. But, you know, I, I may sin, but I don't sin as bad as other people. It, it's sort of like somebody saying, wow, we have a national debt of, what is it now, 18 trillion, counting 19 trillion? By the time this sermon's over, it'll be 20 trillion. Okay. And somebody says, you may have a debt of 20 trillion dollars, but I only have a debt of 19 trillion, 999 billion, 999 million, 999 dollars and 99 cents. I'm not as bad a debtor as you are. Okay. 
Oh, get real, okay? Just get real. He canceled the debt. He canceled the debt. Oh, okay. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. This is who our God is. So I glory in the cross because it tells me who I am. I'm a sinner before God. But it tells me who God is. He is a gracious, forgiving God who has sent his son to take the death I deserve. And he took it away by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You know, in the book of Revelation, in, uh, uh, it, it, it's in the back part, but uh, there, there's a scene of the judgment that, that comes along. And, and uh, uh, what John sees is he says, um, uh, every, every, all, all of humanity was, was, was brought before God's judgment throne, and they brought out a pile of books, books, plural. It's a bunch of books. These are the record of everything you've said and done. And then a book, singular, was brought out, and this was the Lamb's book of life. And he said, and everybody was judged according to the books, according to what they had done. You ready for that? Are you ready for someone to open up the book of your life and not just the stuff that you were willing to publish, but the privacy of your thoughts, the attitude of your heart, the dark secrets. Now, this isn't to be threatening. This is just to be realistic. But to be judged out of the works that we have done. And then the Scripture says, and so we were judged out of the works, but if your name was in the Lamb's book of life, if your name had been written there in the crimson of the blood of Jesus Christ, if your name was there in the Lamb's book of life, the books didn't matter anymore, only the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Christ. We're going to glorify uh, God. We're going to glory in the cross because of what he's done. But th that's what we're talking about. The debt canceled. Paid in full. It's done. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. I glory in the cross because not only does it tell me who I am and who God is, it tells me how I live. For he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him or in Christ, in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, here's, a, here's the picture that he's drawing. In the ancient days, when a general came back from warfare, he would travel back into the capital city, the victorious general, and with him, he would bring along the entire army that he had just defeated. The whole army. And he would lead them along as if to say to the people, See, I have subjugated them on your behalf. God has subjugated the powers and the authorities of the air on our behalf. You see, back then, in, in New Testament days, uh, the, the, the Greek people, the Roman people, believed that in the atmosphere were floating around all these spiritual beings. Some they called demons, but some they called principalities. Some they called authorities. Some they called rulers. And they just knew that all floating throughout the air were all these beings with powers and authorities who were able to sabotage your life and wreck your life. Folks, this was the science of the day. If you did not believe in demons, then you were a science denier, okay? So if you, if you don't believe there's principalities in the air, you're a science denier. Now, here's the point. 
you were convinced that all these spiritual things were, 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 were working to, to um, just uh, assault your life and to attack your life and to sabotage who you were and to destroy your life. And in the cross we see God has defeated them all. He has triumphed over them in the cross of Jesus Christ. They have no more authority over you. Let me give you just a practical exercise. This coming week, at the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, at the end of the day, and then every hour in between. So every hour on the hour, I want you to think to yourself, I will glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I will glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. And then just walk, watch who walks into your life. More than likely, it's going to be the one guy who just irritates the stew out of you. It's going to be the guy who always says the thing that makes you angry. It's going to be the guy who comes in and just sort of um, abuses the friendship. No, it's going to be somebody coming in that you really would rather not talk to. And everything in you is going to well up to tell him off or to give him a piece of your mind as if you had any to spare. But you are going to, you know, just, just uh, respond in anger. You know, just get mad at him. Here's the deal. I want you to glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to give to that person the grace you received from God the Father in Christ Jesus. I want you to extend the forgiveness and the understanding and the compassion that God has given to you in Christ Jesus. And glory in the cross that you were counted worthy, worthy to make the meaning of the cross of Jesus Christ known in your life. In the family, husbands and wives, glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Glory in the opportunity to love one another the way God in Christ Jesus has loved you. Glory in the opportunity, men, to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Glory in the opportunity of giving your whole life that you might present your wife to God spotless and blameless, a pure, unblemished sacrifice of praise unto him. Glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a very practical thing to do. It'll transform your attitude, transform your relationships, transform your life. Because the cross tells us how to live. See, I glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. I glory in the cross because it tells me who I am in a realistic way, but it tells me who God is, and it tells me how to live by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, with me for a moment, go back to the cross of Christ. It was probably set, I mean, uh, to tell you the truth, nobody really knows where it is, but uh, you do research and things like that. But it was probably set on a rise, on a small hill, just outside the gates of the city. Just outside the gates of the city. And why did the Romans crucify people there? It was so that everybody walking into the city would see these people dying a slow, lingering, agonizing death, and they would think to themselves, these Romans are serious, I better behave. So a lot of people would have just been walking by into the gates of the city to do their shopping, and they would walk right by the cross of Jesus. And I dare say the vast majority of them walked right by and said, oh, they got another one. Okay. And were completely indifferent. Didn't care. Didn't notice. And didn't receive the grace of God. 
But there were other people at the cross. There were the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who had engineered the, the mockery of the trial with the uh, complicity of, of the Roman power, Pilate. Um, and, and these religious leaders, they looked at the cross and they looked at Jesus and said, yeah, great. He, he would save others. He was going to save the whole world. Hey, Jesus, save yourself. <laughs> what were they doing? They were doing theology. They were being religious. They were encasing themselves in their self-satisfied, smug religiosity that told them that they were better than other people and that they didn't need to change. Other people did, but they didn't need to change. And so they looked upon Jesus, they scorned him, they mocked him, and they never received the grace of God in Christ Jesus. There was a soldier there. When Jesus died on the cross, he looked up and said, you know, I think this guy must have been the Son of God. We're not sure what his level of understanding is. We, we, we can't say that he was ready to write a treatise on the Trinity at that, that point. But he did understand one thing. This guy they had just crucified didn't deserve it and was unique among all other men. And he had taken the first step towards the cross. But there are two other people there two other people, and they sort of understood from the inside what it meant to be crucified because it was the two thieves, the malefactors, one on each side of Jesus. And the one looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, <laughs> I heard about the stilling of the storm thing. I heard about feeding the 5,000 thing. I heard about the miracles. I heard even that you raised the dead. Jesus, save yourself and us. In other words, he said, Jesus, get me out of the fix. I'm not interested in surrender. I'm not interested in following you. I'm not interested in, in what would come after. Just get me off this cross. And I'll say thank you and go my own way. But the other, other man on the other cross, the other thief, said, wait a minute, buddy. Don't you understand we're dying because we deserve this. This man doesn't deserve to die. He doesn't deserve it. And he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all. Just remember me. It's as if the Heavenly Father gave to his son the first convert there as his son was dying. And Jesus said to him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. With me in paradise. Oh, come to the glory of the cross for just a moment. Come to the glory of the cross. And there see the Savior dying on your behalf. And pray in faith. Just remember me. And today you will be with him in paradise. For the grace of God flows to us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm just thinking again of that, the line of that old hymn. Uh, Tell me the story of Jesus. Did I talk about this yet? No, that's, okay. You see, tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me about the Christmas story. Tell me about the angels. 
Tell me about the wise men and the shepherds. Tell me all that wonderful stuff that, that is just so beautiful and the Christmas carols are so Tell me all that stuff and, and the world will stand up and say, beautiful story, beautiful story. Let's make a, 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 a movie about it. Let's make a TV special about it. Then I said, well, tell me the story of, of Jesus, how he walked the hills and the pathways of Palestine. Tell me about how he uh, dealt with the poor and the leprous and, and how he dealt with those who were dispossessed. Tell me that story of Jesus. And the world will say, what a wonderful, marvelous example of how to be loving and compassionate and reaching out to the poor and reaching out to those who are oppressed. Tell me the story of the resurrection and the empty tomb. And the world will stand up and cheer and say, wow, some of the greatest music ever. Let, let, let's have special services. We'll all come. We won't mean it, but we'll all come once a year. And, and, and we'll look at that and we'll rejoice. But it's the Christian believer in Jesus Christ who says, tell me about the cross where he suffered. Don't, don't pass by the cross. Don't pass by the cross. Stay with me at the cross for just a moment. Stay and let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross because it is there that God bridged the gap, the gulf, between my sin and his righteousness and life everlasting by the grace of the Father, by the shed blood of the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, came into my life. I don't know where your heart is this morning. I don't know if you've ever come to the cross. You've ever asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. But would you come to the cross of Jesus? And just simply say, Jesus, I come as a sinner. I come that you would save me. Brother and sister in Christ, maybe you've lost sight of the cross. Maybe your life is just cluttered and foggy and cloudy and murky and you need clarity. Come to the cross. This week, every moment, set your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ. And you'll see how that gives you clarity in a murky world. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, such grace is beyond us and such love and compassion is more than we can fathom. But thank you, thank you, thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. And I would ask now for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to touch the life of that person who has not made a profession of faith and to bring them to that moment where they would embrace the cross of Christ, pleading nothing but the blood of Jesus, asking him into the heart as Lord and Savior. I pray for my brother and sister in Christ who needs to be revitalized, just reminded of the glory of the cross. Let your Holy Spirit work a magnificent work to point every eye to Jesus. Father, that you would be glorified, I ask it. In Jesus' name, amen.